0: And our third New Testament reading for this morning is 1 Corinthians 6, beginning at chapter or verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Okay, so let's admit from the start that 1 Corinthians 6 is not your typical stewardship text. The commentators I consulted talk about sexual purity, sexual morality, uh, that weird dualism that the Corinthians were so prone to where they understood the body to be temporary and inherently corrupt and the spirit and the soul to be eternal and inherently good, Uh, the misuse of Christian freedom and the misapplication of Paul's teaching on that freedom, and not a single word about stewardship. So the worship planners gave me the opportunity to select a different set of scripture readings for today, texts more appropriate to what we usually think of when we think about a sermon on stewardship. But I read through the lectionary readings for this morning and asked that we stick with them, and it was this reading from 1 Corinthians 6 that convinced me. I'll tell you what it is that caught my attention and convinced me that there was a stewardship sermon in these verses. It was those two short lines near the end. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. You were not your own, for you were bought with a price. Now some of the Corinthians apparently understood themselves to be free from the law, free from the rules of conduct, if the keeping of those rules was somehow intended to bring about or enhance their salvation. And they probably learned that from Paul. But their application left, well, a lot to be desired. Here's how they saw it. Since they were free from the law... There was nothing to keep them from picking up where they had left off before becoming followers of Jesus. Nothing to prevent them from putting back on the nasty old clothes that they had worn before their baptisms. Nothing to bar them from taking another walk on the wild side. Nothing to stop beating around the bush. Um, Nothing to keep them from heading on back there to those pagan temples and the prostitutes that gathered there. Now, when challenged about this by the other members of their faith community, they recited their Pauline Mantra. All things are lawful for me. Besides, it's just my body, a lump of clay. Soon enough, it'll turn to dust. But my soul remains untouched by the corruption of sexual license. And who needs a license anyway? Um, All things are lawful for me. And back to the pagan temple they went. And So Paul calls them to account. Yes, you are free in Christ, and all things are lawful for you. But not everything is good for you. And not everything is good to have lording itself over you. Your bodies belong to Christ, see. They are members of his body. And so when you go trotting off to the pagan temple and lie down with a prostitute, you take Christ with you. Is that really what you want? Doesn't the scripture say that when you have sex with someone, you become one flesh? But aren't you already one flesh with Christ? And don't be fooled by some half-baked Greek philosophy. God does care about bodies. God cared enough to raise the body of Jesus. And God will raise yours. So don't kid yourselves into thinking that what you do to your bodies doesn't count or is somehow a minor sin. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And your temple ought to be as far from that pagan temple as you could possibly get it. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, and so act like it. Behave in ways which bring glory to God. You are free, but not free at all. Free from rules and laws and rituals that are designed to make you good enough to deserve your salvation, but bound up entirely by the one who saved you and set you free. You are not your own, so don't act like you are. It seems to me that those two lines, you are not your own, and you have been bought with a price, serve as a foundation for any conversation about stewardship. We are not, or because like our text from 1 Samuel, they make clear that we do not belong to ourselves. We are not self-sufficient. We are not a law unto ourselves. We belong to God. And so when God calls us in the middle of the night, we respond by saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when we're tempted to return to our former ways, we hear Paul's words reminding us that we are not our own. And even though we're free in many ways, we are not free to diminish or discount or damage the very body Christ died to redeem. Nor are we free to behave in ways which harm the bodies of others. And finally, we are not free to behave in ways which damage the body of Christ. This is theology at its most basic. God is the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer, the ultimate steward, if you will. And God cares for the creation. God cares for us. Not a hair on our heads goes uncounted. Not a sparrow drops from the sky unnoticed. Not a cry of a slave held captive in Egypt goes unheard. God the steward cares for the creation. God the steward cares for us. Not a sheep goes wandering that is not found. Not a coin goes missing that does not cause the whole house to be turned upside down. God the steward tends to the creation. God the steward tends to us. And God does these things. Because God is also the steward of our redemption. And so God acts in ways which will bring that redemption to pass. And God freely uses us, those under God's care, to make that redemption happen. And so a little boy is called from his bed at night. Or a little girl is visited by an angel. A grumpy old Pharisee is knocked for a loop on the road to Damascus. And you and I were called from our own places of captivity, redeemed, bought with a price, set free, to serve the purposes of our rescuer. And so I think we get what Paul is so passionately arguing in his letter to the Corinthians. We do know ourselves as belonging to another, to God through Christ, to the Spirit who lives within us, and to the body of Christ, sisters and brothers all, from one end of history to the other, from one end of the planet to the other. We are not our own. We were bought with a price, and so we glorify God in our bodies. Now, here I shall commit what Walter Brueggemann calls an overt act of interpretation, (laughs) because it seems to me that what is true for our bodies is true for everything else, too. Whose body is it, anyway? It's not ours. It belongs to Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And whose church is it? It is not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid such a high price to redeem us. And whose community is it? It's not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And whose money is it? It's not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And whose time is it? It's not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And whose talent is it? It's not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And whose energy is it? It is not ours. It belongs to the Christ, the one who paid so high a price to redeem us. And so on and on and on. Having surrendered our bodies to the Christ who redeemed us, is there anything else that we can honestly say does not belong to Christ? Our relationships? Our security? Our future? No. And so it makes sense to me to understand 1 Corinthians 6 as a stewardship text, however odd it may seem at first reading, because that ultimate claim about whose body it really is is just the beginning. And if that is true, if baptism really was our dying and then being raised again in Christ and of Christ, then everything that went before, everything we used to think of as belonging to us, we must now confess as belonging instead to Christ. Christ. We are Christ's, and all that we have is Christ's, and all of it, our body and everything else too, ought to be used in ways which bring glory to God. And so like little Samuel, we wait in the dark and we listen for God's voice to come and put us at its disposal. Like Paul, we sit also in darkness for what seems like forever until our eyes are open and we are given our mission, we're put to use by the one who redeemed us and for God's glory. Now let's admit how alien that sounds to our North American ears, how quaint, how strange, how unlikely. Having been steeped in the ideology of personal property and personal rights and individual freedoms and get what you can while you can get it, we find this idea of becoming subservient to anything uncomfortable, if not downright repellent. No one ought to lord it over anyone else. We fought to make that way of being a reality. Or maybe it's not that so much. Maybe it's more the way this kind of servant language has been abused in the past, how it's been used to to keep African Americans in slavery and, and women in their place. Maybe it's that misuse and abuse of the language of being owned by somebody else, of being subservient to someone else, being bound to someone else. Maybe that's what makes it so hard for us to hear. And I understand why we might want to turn away from this language, why we might want to resist it, The older I get, though, the more I think um, that Bob Dylan was right when he said that you're going to have to serve somebody, or that Walter Brueggemann was right when he claimed that if we don't obey God, we're going to wind up obeying Pharaoh, because in the end, we all wind up obeying somebody. So as hard as it may be to get our heads and hearts around it, if we have to choose, and we Mennonites do like to choose, then I'm going to go with Paul and Samuel and Mary and confess myself as belonging to the one who redeemed me. And so seek to live in ways which glorify God. Which brings us back to stewardship. If all I am and all I have belongs to Christ, and if all I am and all I have is intended by Christ to be used for the good of the body and to Christ's glory, then that ought to shape how I live and how I give. If my body belongs to Christ, then I will use it in ways which glorify God. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well. In the Corinthians case, it meant staying away from fornication and other forms of sexual immorality. It meant not treating your sisters and brothers poorly at the community potluck, hoarding the best for yourselves and other wealthy folks, and then leaving the poor and the weak with the leftovers. It meant not sitting in the place that you might have deserved when your body belonged to you, and instead reserving that place of honor for somebody else. It meant forgiving, loving, sharing, guiding, correcting, and nurturing the hope and faith of everyone, and especially those most in need. It meant being as good a steward of your body and its potential for good as God is in stewardship of our salvation. And what was true for them is true for us, and so we try to behave as people whose bodies are not our own, whose bodies have been bought with a price. If my money belongs to Christ... That means I'll use it in ways which glorify God. It means I will have a much freer hand than I did when I thought it all belonged to me. It means holding it more lightly and not treating it as if it had the power to save me. It means being more generous and not just with those who I think deserve my generosity. It means being generous in the way that our steward God is extravagantly, freely, scandalously. It means telling the truth about the relationship between my wealth and the poverty of others. It means stirred up to do something about that. If my time belongs to Christ, that means I'll use it in ways which glorify God. It means working when it's time to work and resting when it's time to rest. It means being much more generous and spending time with my family and my friends and my community and not begrudging that time or considering, considering it to be time wasted. It means taking the Sabbath seriously and doing the best we can to let time go for a day. And trust that God will keep the whole thing running along, even if we take a nap or sit down to read or spend an extra half an hour in prayer. It means giving priority to time spent serving and building up the community of faith. It means giving priority to time spent serving the poor, the weak, the homeless, the hopeless. And if my talent belongs to Christ... That means I will use it in ways which glorify God. It means taking seriously the invitation from my community to share that talent in ways which will glorify God and build up the community. It means saying yes to that invitation even when it's not convenient or welcome. It means giving priority to using my gifts and talents in ways which serve others and leaving my self gratification for some other time. It means taking my place among the gifted members, trusting that the Spirit has given me something the whole body needs. And it's done the same for everyone else here. And the same is true of my material possessions, my community, my energy, my dreams, my hopes. If all of those things, too, belong to Christ, I will use them in ways which glorify God. Does it seem to you like there's a conspiracy today to distract you <laughs> while I'm trying to talk? <laughs> Somebody's got it sharing their gift with the drum, uh, with the congregation. God bless them. I'm grateful for that. Anyways, what I was saying. um, If everything does belong to Christ, um, then all those things should be used in ways which glorify God. And none of this comes naturally. Um, None of it's easy, at least not all the time. There are times when it is an absolute joy to give ourselves freely as belonging to Christ. And there are times when we simply grit our teeth and wish that our owner would use somebody else for a change There may be times when we feel that we have nothing to give, nothing to offer, and that whatever it is that Christ owns in us uh, no longer amounts to much. And there may be other times when we simply do need to let someone else take up our part for a season. My hope is that we understand ourselves, uh, when we understand ourselves and everything else, including the church, as belonging to Christ, that we can rest a bit easier, knowing that the end is firmly in the hands of the steward who is God. And I hope, too, that we can rest a bit easier, even as we offer ourselves wholly to the glory of God, as we look around us and remember that, well, that we're a member of Christ's body and that there are lots of other members too, each one owned by the one who redeemed them and each one called to the same life of glorifying God in every way. We are not alone. When we begin to forget whose we are, and we will, God will bring us a Paul or a Chloe to come and call us back to our right minds when we are tempted to think of our stuff or our time or our gifts as belonging to us and for our benefit alone, God will bring us a Hannah or a Samuel to remind us that it all belongs to God. We're not in this alone. Even our stewardship belongs to God. So, sisters and brothers, whose body is it anyway? Whose money? Whose time? Whose talent? Whose energy? Whose community? Whose world? You know the answer by now. You knew it all along. Your body, your money, your time, your talent, your energy, your community, your church, your world is not your own. You and they were bought with a price. Therefore, be good and faithful stewards and glorify God in everything you do. May God make it so. Amen.